0: mic check one two is this thing on is this thing working it's it's been a little while as a matter of fact it's uh, been about 819 days since we've last had the chance to catch up how you doing my name is chris falco we got some uh, news and notes to go over before we do any of that though we're gonna have to right off the bat introduce uh, the other voice you're gonna hear on the podcast say hello everybody to mr rob man hey rob It's great to be on, Chris. It's nice to be part of the long-awaited, highly anticipated
1: relaunch. And to be back in business here. We had to shake some of the cobwebs off the microphones after 819 days, but we're ready to get going again.
0: You know what? Uh, getting all this up and running. So right off the bat, we got to say uh, welcome. If you are one of the few who are on YouTube live right now uh, watching, we're going to uh, continue like we used to do this pod live. That way, if you have questions, you have your comments, uh, you can uh, you know be a, be a part of it with us. Join us. Then, like any other traditional podcast afterwards, it'll be made available across all your uh, you know your regular podcasts, if it's Google, Spotify, Apple. How? Uh, however you listen you'll be able to find us uh, but thank you for those who are uh, joining us here live today as we do get things back up and running and uh, it has been a while so as uh, rob said shaking off the cobwebs uh, is not just quite a line uh, in some cases it was true so we got to yeah. you know make sure all the equipment works this is kind of uh, you know a bit of a soft launch of the relaunch a bit of a test but uh, appreciate you all joining us uh, it ha- it has been a little bit so you know welcome back to the weekly harvest as uh, we talk all things brandon wee kings we talk uh, things the WHL Tri- And keep you up to date in all things uh, junior hockey. Uh, Before we get into catching up on the league, let's catch up on ourselves. Rob, welcome to Brandon.
1: Yeah, it's been great to be getting settled in. I'm really enjoying Brandon so far, actually. I knew it kind of, I would say, secondhand growing up in Winnipeg. So I knew the city, I'd spent some time in the city, hadn't really gotten the appreciation for it that I would say I have for the first month or so living here. Uh, really beautiful city. I'm loving it here. This is great.
0: That's awesome. So for uh, people who don't know, tell us uh, where, where you're from and where you were before this.
1: So I've been uh, on the mic now. I was just thinking this is going to be my 10th season if you go back to uh, the U Sports days. But when I started getting into it in earnest, I was in Estevan, just about three hours west and slightly south of here for four seasons, including that, uh, that COVID-shortened season in 2021, which was just, oh, so much fun for everybody. That was just a joy to be part of. And then for the past two seasons, I've been... On the wrong side of some Wheat Kings wins because I've been the voice of the Prince Albert Raiders up in PA. So I've lived in Sask for the last six years now. I'm back in the 204 or the 431, depending on when you got your phone. And it's really nice to be back in Manitoba because this is where I grew up and this is my home province. So it's nice to be closer to home. Nice to be back in bomber fan country. I cannot tell you what it was like the last six years to be surrounded by rider fans. And when I moved out there... The Bombers Grey Cup drought was still in full effect, so I heard so many jokes about American teams winning the Grey Cup first. It was that 2019 Grey Cup win was a lifesaver.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Uh, just just wait. There's still lots of Ryder fans who happen to live around here. I know that for a fact too, because whenever we had our uh, our Blue Bomber night, which we love doing, right? We've had the Bombers here, have the Grey Cup here. A uh, lot lot of Ryder fans were 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 pretty close to the border, as you know.
1: And a lot of people from Moosomin, I know, come into Brandon for games. And Moosomin, of course, home of the famous Red Barn, which is a popular stopping spot. In fact, I stopped there on the way in from... Prince Albert while I was moving nice healthy seven hour drive with all my worldly
0: possessions glad that's out of the way and we can get settled in moving is always fun uh you know last year things were very chaotic around this time uh we did not have our radio play by play voice yet we didn't have uh, our our uh, GM in Marty Murray yet uh things were still very much developing this year it's a lot nicer the fact that we've had this time to kind of get settled with you you know Get you here, get everybody ready for this season. Uh, And we have a lot to talk about when it comes to Brandon Weekings. Uh, We're going to have Marty Murray on in a little bit. We're going to be talking a lot about uh, just a lot of excitement that's been based around this team, growing for the last few years. Before we do that, we should take a quick scan around the league, I figure, Rob, because it has been a while. Uh, We kind of did our own news and notes of some other teams around the divisions. Uh, We are going to start by talking about some of our division opponents
1: Yeah, and a lot of Wheat Kings fans, I've noticed in my time here, are really plugged in. They understand the league really well. They follow the league really closely. So for a lot of the Wheat Kings fans, what we're talking about here is going to be a reminder rather than new information. But there are a few things to keep in mind once we start diving into exhibition games and eventually, of course, regular season games, which are less than a month away now. We've been counting down the days fervently. Uh, Just up the road in Regina, obviously, there have been some changes. Most of those so far have been on the off-ice side of things. Like, we anticipate that there will be on-ice changes. I mean, I think most of us reasonably expect Connor Bedard to begin the year and end the year with the Chicago Blackhawks. But officially, he hasn't departed from the team yet. He hasn't made the Blackhawks. So most of their changes are speculative at this point. The off-ice side of things, Brad Heroff's the new head coach. Uh, Ken Schneider's got some Brandon connections, so I was wondering if he might be in consideration there. But seniority-wise, Brad Haroff made sense. He'd been with the Regina Pats for longer. Alan Miller's their new GM as John Paddock steps away from both roles, and we wish John the best in retirement there. Uh, As far as the on-ice side of things goes, Ewan Huey, and I hope I'm pronouncing uh, Ewan correctly. He's Swiss, and he is the son of Cristobal Huey. And that's a name that NHL fans will remember pretty vividly. He was part of that long run of Montreal just rattling off good goaltenders. went from Theodore mm-hmm. to Huey to Halak to Price, and that run never really stopped. And his son, Ewan, is now a prospect of the Regina Pats. So you hear Huey and goaltender, you think,
0: eh, young man's probably pretty good. You know what? There are a number of bloodlines that, you know, continue especially this year. Uh, there's a lot that we're going to get through uh, as well as uh, over in, in Alberta. Um, going to bring up uh, uh, this before we talk about anything happening in BC. Uh, we want to send all of our uh, best wishes out to those uh, who are affected by the incredible wildfire scenes that we've all been seeing playing out. Uh, best wishes to everybody as that uh, situation hopefully is getting better. I saw some great tweets of some big downpours happening, some rain, which is, I know, an absolute godsend for those people right now. Uh, but uh, out, out in BC, there is uh, there's a lot going on as well.
1: Yeah, a lot of movement, uh, again, on the off-ice side of things. And on-ice, too, there have been some trades for certain. You know, like Prince George would say that acquiring Orange Strom to join their crop of 2004-born players was a big get. Moose Jaw and Vancouver swung a trade that might have gotten buried in some of the shuffling around throughout the league. But it's going to be a big one, I think, a few years down the line. Merrick Howell goes from Moose Jaw to Vancouver. Now, Vancouver sends back... Uh, a young forward, Ethan Semenuk, 2005 born forward. He's going to help Jaw replace some of the depth that they're going to have to replace because they can't keep all their 2003-born players. They just don't have enough roster spaces for all of them. But Merrick Howell's a fascinating player in that exchange. 2006-born D-man, big guy. And the idea of he and Colton Roberts, another 2006-born D-man who's a big guy, both first-round picks in that 2021 draft, which is going to come up, by the way, when we bring Marty Murray in here. The idea of them patrolling the same blue line. There might be some nervous forwards out in BC right now at the thought of having to face those two six foot four mobile guys. But off the ice, it's been Victoria lately that's been making the biggest noise. They figured they looked at the Winnipeg ice and said, hey, whatever their uh, off ice situation was, on ice, they were a juggernaut, so let's get some of the guys in who helped build that juggernaut. So they've just today announced that James Patrick is joining the team. And from a radio guy's perspective, I
0: love James Patrick. James is a fantastic guy. Yeah,
1: like one of my favorite interviews in the league. I love dealing with him. Jake Heisinger, another guy I always had really good conversations with. He's out in Victoria now as well in an assistant general manager role. And James Patrick is in the role of development or head of player development. So there's a lot of now Winnipeg DNA in that Victoria side. And that Winnipeg DNA comes from, again, whatever the off-ice problems were. On ice, Winnipeg won. The last couple of years, it was almost all they did. So if you can take that philosophy and apply it, if you're Victoria, you've had a couple of lean years, this is going to be a really good addition to your staff.
0: One WHL market that is looking to make an announcement would be Lethbridge. Lethbridge is the only team in the WHL. As of right now, i recording this podcast. Without a head coach. Now, I did know that uh, Greg Drennan wrote uh, uh, that he uh, heard that the leading candidate, it sounds like it's going to be Bill Peters, who people may remember from his stint with the Spokane Chiefs, but probably remember him better for his time as the head coach of the Calgary Flames. Uh, That would be interesting, but that's the one kind of head job that's still out there that nobody really knows, except for that one report that I read from Greg.
1: Yeah, and Manny Viveros has been officially taken off that particular market because Mm -hmm. I guess about a couple hours before we went live here, Manny ended up taking the job with the Vancouver Giants. So they were that other team that had yet to really make a decision on that front and now it's just Lethbridge really left and they've got, uh, well, if Craig is uh, is on the money and he's been pretty good at that sort of thing over the years, uh, that would be their guy.
0: And we talked about bloodlines coming into this season. Uh, Swift Current, they have one. Now this is a very, very, very cool story. I love when this happens. The Swift Current Broncos traded with the Portland Winterhawks for a 20-year-old local product, a D-man, Ryan McCleary. Uh, Cleary. Always love when local kids get to go home. It's Always a great story, especially for the 20-year-old year. But uh, this is extra special. His dad, Trent, played for the Broncos back in 88-93 to 93, and then went on to play over 190 NHL games with the Sens, Bruins, and Canadians. So pretty cool there. Going back to Portland was a uh, forwards Josh Davies and uh, Tyson Yuremko. I know that uh, people in the division will probably be happy, as we we're talking about, to see Josh Davies head head out to the U.S. division.
1: Not an easy guy to play against. always reminded me watching him of Cal Clutterbuck even kind of built the same way. I was talking to Craig Beauchemin about my first season in the league, which was Davies' first full campaign because it was after the COVID shortened year, and we were talking about the guys on our respective teams who could really lay the body, and Davies was the first guy he brought up. Mm -hmm. Stocky kid, moving fast, apparently he's built like a house, and he was running guys over all season long. So that rush of air, you may have heard, was a sigh of relief from the rest of the Eastern Conference that they no longer have to worry about Josh Davies. That said, Ryan McCleary is going to really bolster Swift current. And I think that for Swift, with the number of 2004-born players they have coming into their 19-year-old year, this is this is a year for them. This is a, a go-for-it type season. And they've now reinforced that belief by bringing in two 20-year-olds this offseason. They brought in Tyson LaVenture from Lethbridge. He was a 20-goal guy last season. And now they've brought in a 30-point, sizable, reliable local as you said defenseman that I think you know that he's going to provide a lot of stability on that back end I can't guarantee how their 20 year old situation is going to shake out but it does look like they're in a position where they want the best possible players for the moment
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the big news coming to Alberta here this offseason was the fact that Brent Sutter taking a step back from the bench in Red Deer, uh, obviously with that uh, kind of you know massive shift uh, with the franchise, and they announced they brought on uh, Derek Walser, a Q product who spent 19 pro seasons playing, and uh, Red Deer kind of taking advantage of the, of the first of the Winnipeg Wenatchee trade-offs. This is something we're going to watch during the season for all WHL fans, is uh, how the Wild treats their current uh, prospect pool, because going forward, they do not have a a whole lot in terms of uh, draft picks in the next few years Wenatchee uh, now is going to have a fifth and a seventh round next year a conditional third but no guarantee until the fifth round of 2025 and 2026 no picks till the seventh round so they got some 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 draft picks they're going to have to uh, you know move some bodies for help uh, replenish that to start the year though they're going to have to be competitive on the ice so it'll be very interesting to see how Wenatchee uh, deals this season
1: Yeah, and there's some logic to the idea that maybe you look and reevaluate things around Christmas. That's when World Junior season's going to run up. And frankly, I think there's a couple guys on that Wenatchee squad that are going to be in consideration. So you can do what the Raiders did with Caden Gooley my first season with the team, which is you know that when the World Juniors hits, you're not going to have this guy for a month anyway. So you might as well move him prior to that, get the new guys into the lineup, get them integrated. One of those new guys, by the way, was the player that Red Deer acquired from Wenatchee. It's Carson Latimer. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna love him, Red Deer fans. He is he's fast. He's got a wicked shot. And off the ice, this is one of those guys. We were talking about Carson Bjarneson with this, about how if you're going out into the community, that's a guy you want to bring with you. That's Carson Latimer he hits it off with the fans as well as any player I've ever
0: seen. And uh, just uh, one more name to throw out there for Nachi Wild that uh, to Wee King fans will be a little uh, fun to hear. Rodgers Bukharts, their import draft, and yes, that is uh, a brother of uh, Buki, Rehards Bukharts, who played a couple of seasons here. Uh, he joins uh, Kenta Osagi from Japan as uh, Wenatchee's first two import players uh, there. Uh, we got Marty Murray standing outside of the office studio, so uh, we're going to get him in here, and uh, just uh, right now as he walks on in, but uh, for the Those who were watching on the pod, if you're watching live uh, on YouTube, we have got, uh, you know, a little bit going on right there. We've uh, tried to step up a bit of production. So while Marty comes on in here, we are going to be talking and tell you about, uh, for anybody you know, who's interested in being a part of the Week King game day experience. We're going to be having a job fair coming up on Wednesday, September the 6th. Wednesday the 6th. 5.30 5.30 to 7.30 right here at the Brandon King office. You can come on down. I'll be taking us some names and uh, finding out what uh, kind of role you might be interested in. Uh, speaking of the games, Junior Kings Club is back for 23-24. Your kids can come to the game for only 7.32 a game. It's unbelievable. So come and check that out. Uh, also going on this year, this is just announced. We have got these brand new 17-game plans. So you can either do a half season or a split season. The half season is exactly what you think. It's the first half or the second half, same price. Just if you want to go first or second, and the split seasons, those go throughout the year, but they got a different mix of games. So you can have some of the big ones, get some random ones, have some fun with it. Uh, but uh, definitely go in and check out all that. It's all uh, on uh, Weekings.com. You can check out more details there. As we get back into the studio, like magic, now sitting at the desk, we got Mr. Marty Murray. Marty, how are you? No, I'm doing
2: great. Thanks for having me on, fellas.
0: It is absolutely awesome to have you back on. So you are a returning guest of the podcast, but the last time <laughs> that you were here, it was uh, it was not in this current role. Uh, how things have changed, Marty, since then. Um, it's been a wild year. Let's uh, let's just kind of go back to that.
2: It's been a year.
0: What was that roller coaster like?
2: It was a roller coaster, uh, just to say the least. You know, I think I arrived probably around August 28th, 29th, and, uh, you know, right into the fire. So it was, it was exciting to obviously get back uh, to my roots here, but at the same time, there's my head was spinning, not knowing the players and the coaching staff, and uh, it was kind of, uh, yeah, every day just a new learning experience. So a little more familiar with everything, uh, you know, this time uh, around, but uh, at the same time, um, it's great to be back and uh, excited for the hockey season to get going.
1: You had to hit the ground running with both feet on that one because you have to take over major leadership roles within the club. But you mentioned the coaching staff there. I've been getting to know them a little bit through the last couple of weeks and getting a sense of the kind of group you have here in Brandon. How did they help you when you had to jump in feet first like that?
2: Well, they were all great. Uh, you know, um, you know, Don was here at the time and, and Mark and, and uh, Del, uh, Tyler Plant. They've been here a while. So, um, you know, our coaching staff was tremendous and, and now working every day with uh, – Mark and Dell, um, you know, we become good friends and we all have the same vision and, you know, outside of the coaching staff, the scouting staff, uh, uh, has been tremendous and led by Chris Moulton and, and, uh, you know, seeing old faces like Mark Johnson around the rink, uh, you know, brings back a lot of great memories. So, you know, for me, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, a, a lot of chaos, but at the same time it was surrounded with a lot of really good people that made tra- the transition as easy as possible.
0: The season didn't get off the start that we wanted, uh, coaching changes had to be made. You step behind the bench, what's that like for you not only learning the franchise but then getting to really learn your team from that standpoint not just behind the desk but behind the bench
2: yeah no question I think that was the first time I've been in a role of just GM so I want to make sure that I you know didn't step on toes uh in the coach's office and, and that's their job right so I, I stay back and and when you do that you don't really get to know the players that well right you kind of talk to them uh briefly but it's not uh, the everyday basis that you used to so Um, You know, in that regard, it was nice to just to get to know the players as individuals away from hockey and get to know their personalities a little bit. That goes a long way uh, in building the hockey team. And I was lucky to, um, you know, inherit uh, really good kids here. We have a good group of people. um, And uh, getting behind the bench certainly got to know them better.
1: When you talk about that good group of people, and you mentioned them when you were kind of running down the list of the staff, you touched on the scouting staff there. And we were looking up and down the list of picks the team has made over the last few years. There's a lot of guys who are now coming into their own. But before we do kind of a deep dive, I want to talk about the most recent draft in particular. That's the first one you got to oversee for the franchise. What are your thoughts on that 2008-born class of players that the team is bringing into the fold?
2: Well, we're real excited about uh, the 0- 08, 07, 06 group. Uh, you know, I think there was a lot of really high-end prospects there, obviously. Um, you know, we, we drafted Jackson Jacobson in the first round, fifth overall, and and obviously there's a connection with the Wheat Kings. We all know that, but at the same time, he's a special player. Um, you know, it didn't matter what his last name was; uh, he would have been a player we coveted. He's a st- style of player that I like and want to uh, you know build our team around those type of players with uh, hockey sense and hockey IQ and competitiveness. So that was a no brainer. And then uh, you know we we wanted to get a, a D. Um, you know, in the first round as well, we had our second first round pick and we were able to get Georges, uh, Pintelis and uh, he's, I think he's going to be a real good player. And then, you know, the list goes on and on, uh, Nigel Baim and Isaac Davies. And, and, uh, we feel like we have a good crop of, of, uh, 08, so We signed four of them. And I think there's more in the hopper there that are going to be real good players down the road.
0: Anybody who had any doubt about Jacobson, all they had to do was just go and watch what he was doing as a 14 year old in the U18 league. Um, you know, there's a lot of talent in that, in that, uh, in that draft class, uh, seeing him and, uh, and, uh, so Georges, George, Geo. there's going to be a whole bunch of names <laughs> for Pantelis. Uh, and I know that <laughs> <come up, yeah. laughs> he's going to have a whole bunch of nicknames, uh, but, uh, him and him and Jackson that was the first time that they met and that was super cool. They were bonding, um, you know, to, 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 to really see all these guys, not that you were drafting, but of like as good hockey players, but good people. When we got to see them at Prospect Bank at Marty, like there was an instant bond, not between just those two, but a lot of these young kids.
2: Yeah. And that's the one thing, uh, you know, it seems like this group is really proud to be Brandon Wheat Kings. And that's one of the things you look for. You're obviously you're drawn to the best players out there, but uh, it's nice when you get a combination of of really good hockey players, as well as people that are passionate to be Brandon Wheat Kings. And we feel like we have that with this group here with our weight draft.
0: So let's talk about our rookie class here because we have got some big names who are going to be uh, trying to make their names as rookie here. Uh, it starts off with Joby jo Baumuller. Joby came on in last year, uh, made a case for himself almost as rookie of the year, even only playing a few games at the end of last season because he looked like he was not out of place at all.
2: No, he's, uh, he's we're really excited about him. I think he has a potential to not only feel his way into the western hockey league i think he has the ability to kind of explode into it and we certainly don't want to put pressure on him uh, he's 16 it's a hard league to play in as a 16 year old but we feel as though he has that ability to to do special things and uh, his shot release is is as good as uh anybody and and uh you know i think it was important for him to get his feet wet down the uh you know down the down the road or at the end of last season i think that'll um, be very valuable experience for him going into this year and you know you kind of think back at some of the games towards the end of the season even you know last weekend we had a home-and-home home against Winnipeg they played all their big horses and I thought uh, in particular he was one of the guys that really uh, stood out and uh, really elevated his game for those last two games.
1: And it's nice when you get to audition a player like that in a live setting you got a player who gets to play his first Western Hockey League games but the Kings did something similar with Roger McQueen and Charlie Ellick the prior season is there a giant difference in your experience between a guy coming in for a handful of games at 15 and then being a full-time Western Hockey Leaguer?
2: Well, I think it helps with the transition, right? I think that, uh, you know, whether you're coming at 15 or 16, it's a whole different animal coming to the Western Hockey League. So the earlier you can get that experience, uh, the better. And, and 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 obviously, you know, we want to make sure the player's ready. We don't want to throw them something that uh, they're not ready for. But, uh, you know, a player like Joby, uh, even though he's not a... You know, a towering guy as far as height. He's, he's a real strong, thick kid, and, uh, you know, he didn't look out of place at all. And
0: you know, there's got to be, like, you know, obviously this, this, uh, how should I put this? There's, there's this way that you're trying to do your best to work all these kids in throughout the season while still putting an emphasis on winning, right? That you don't want to throw the kid in just to get experience. You want to put the best team on the ice possible, but it is crucial to sometimes get them a little bit of experience and get that taste. Last year, you did that with a number, you know, of these guys, giving them a game or two. What was your thought process with that? How do you balance those two things?
2: Well, it is tough. You know, I, I think that uh, you know depending on who you're playing, what the circumstances of the game are, you know, you go into the game plan as far as, you know, how much opportunity you want to give these kids and, um, which is important at the same time, there's a lot of things that can change, uh, you know, at the drop of a hat within a game, right? So that changes, but at the same time, um, you know, even just to be around, uh, the game day preparation, the video, just to get an idea of what it's all about. I think, uh, you know, on these guys respective teams are at the midget level or what have you 18 level, um, you know, they, they go to school, they probably come home and slam something to eat and then they're at the rink. So, you know, it's just a whole different, it's, it's that bridge between, you know, youth hockey and pro, and it gives them an opportunity to kind of see what a glimpse into the future is like.
0: So, you know, talking about that rookie class, Joby Baumuller, Easton Odut, Emerson Clark, Grady Hope, Brady Turco, a lot of guys who are, you know, me pushing and then trying to make their way in. Then you look at the one year older, the 17 year olds now and you're talking about guys like Alec McQueen, Hadland. We're going to have to get into Klippenstein and, uh, and Eskett. But guys like Alec McQueen, especially, with this past summer getting invited to Team Canada, what does that do for them?
2: I think it's going to be a huge confidence booster for them. Um, you know, I touched on the, the league's hard at 18, I think, it, or 16, sorry. Uh, you know, there's lots of ups and downs. And, and those two players, uh, um, you know, we felt, uh, you know, made some nice strides throughout the year. And and, uh, but I think just the experience they game with Team Canada at the Lincoln, not only playing for the team but playing a, uh, a pretty significant role, I think will really help with the confidence builders heading into the, into the fall.
1: Glad you brought up the confidence there because Roger McQueen ends up being one of his team's leading scorers and as a forward I think the expectation is that you're going to score in his rookie season he put the puck in a few times but I'm sure he wanted more he wants more coming back this year how much good is that going to do him because you were a goal scorer yourself you know what the confidence factor is like.
2: Yeah it's it's all about confidence I mean I I remember my first year as a 16 year old I I had four goals at Christmas and you know, sometimes you you go home at night and you're kind of wondering if you're in the right place and if this is where I'm supposed to be and and uh, you know confidence is such a big thing and if you can get some confidence it, it goes a long long way and we saw that with Roger this summer I thought he was um, you know one of the top players in his in his age group at the Holinka. and and uh, you know he you talk about Jovi uh, the way he shoots a puck Rogers uh, on that level too or he can snap it and um, you know. Hey, it gives him another opportunity this summer to put on some strength and you know he's a he's a different build you know like a player like ball miller is kind of short and stocky where he's more compact where rogers still kind of growing into his body a little bit too so you got to take all that stuff into consideration but i think at the end of the day he's going to be a real good player uh, not only for the brand of weakings but uh, beyond that as well
0: caleb hadlin had his season really cut short last year was fighting through injury uh one of the like Greatest kids. He's you know very intelligent. Uh, like a born leader was all we heard about him before he even got here, and you can see that leadership already in his. You know, it, like he's mature beyond his age. What do you expect, and what have you heard from him this summer and and, and his development?
2: Well, you don't have to worry about uh, Hads putting in the work. He's a he's a, a workhorse. He's going to do whatever it takes to to um, be at his best when the season starts. And you know, real tough, obviously, uh, start to the season uh, going to the Hockey Canada stuff, and he broke his leg and, and missed a, a good portion of the season. But, uh, you know, he put in the work and, and uh, was ready to come back. And, again, you know, we're talking about February, March when uh, when he's 16 years old, where everybody's in, you know, top, uh, you know, performance level, and, and he's still trying to find his uh, rhythm as a 16-year-old. Uh, I thought he did a tremendous job of of coming out of the injury the way he did. And much like I talked about Joby, uh, I was really encouraged with this play uh, down the stretch. I thought he played some real good hockey for us.
1: Now, I got to witness Ethan Eskett dip his toe in the Western Hockey League waters. In fact, I got to call his first-ever start and his first-ever win because he came away victorious in that game in Prince Albert.
0: Yay!
1: <laughs> yeah, that was... Well, I mean, the guy lets in three goals on 33 shots, and one of those goals is a 20-year-old on a penalty shot. What's the path forward like for a guy like that?
2: Well, uh, you know, that was a that was a a crucial game for us. I remember um you know we were we were in a playoff push there and that was a that was a kind of a must-win game for us and I you know he came in and did a tremendous job and uh I think even the game before he kind of stepped in and played some minutes there at the end and and, and did a really nice job and, and like you said Prince Albert isn't an easy barn to go in and play for your first uh, Western Hockey League start and um, it's not know, easy on your on your 100th start exactly, from what I've heard exactly no question and you know like you said the uh, first goal against was a penalty shot and then I correct me if I'm wrong but I think it was like 4-1 with two minutes left and they got two at the end uh, you know for me personally sitting on the bench I was thrilled that we uh, come out with a win but it would have been nice to to keep him at one but I thought he you know he looked like a seasoned veteran out there the game he played and he's a competitor um you know been real impressed with the way he carries himself he's he's got uh, a little swagger to him which I think is a good thing for a goaltender and and uh, he really competes hard and he's very technically sound.
1: No, I wasn't here for the team's prospect camp but the one name I kept hearing about coming out of that camp and how impressed a lot of the staff around the office were was Carter Klippenstein good size kid moves well got some leadership what do you foresee for him?
2: Yeah, you know, you think about the prospect camp, uh, you know, he's kind of a bit of a man among boys, right? And he's a big body that skates well. He's just kind of a modern-day power forward. And, um, you know, we talk about uh, wanting to have a little bit more hard skill around here. I think Carter exemplifies what that is. He's a a guy that uh, can make plays. He can get in hard on the forecheck and separate people from pucks. He can, um, you know, he can bury pucks when it's on a stick too. So we're real excited for him. And again, as a 17-year-old, you know, we felt like for him to develop, um, you know, to, to go play U18, and he did uh, did that. He established himself as a leader of the captain of his team at the edge. Um, and uh, again, much like some of our other guys coming in as first-year guys, I, I, I vision him having an impact right away.
0: I I was one of those guys who was very impressed at prospect camp of him. I thought that he was incredible. Uh, we're gonna have a couple of amazing battles coming up at camp in a few of these spots, uh, including with the goaltending. We talked about Eskel. We gotta give a, a shout out as well because we called up uh, Green last year for a game who also looked fantastic.
2: Yeah, Green was uh, he he had a really solid uh, prospect camp and and uh, you know it's 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 a fun time to to watch these kids develop because now they're growing you know they they go from 5'10 to 6'1 all of a sudden and you know Carson Bjarneson is a tremendous example yeah. of that you know he goes from 5'9 to 6'2 almost overnight and you're like oh boy and then you can have an idea who these players are going to be and what they're going to be for you so it's fun to you know Ryder's one of those guys that fits that criteria and uh, you know like there's uh, Tal Florio is another one that I thought had a really good um uh prospects camp and how much he developed over the over the course of the season so it's awesome to see these kids grow and and now going into training camp in the fall it'll just be it'll be a real neat experience to see him match up against our veteran guys
1: or you can do what roger mcqueen apparently did and go from six foot four to six foot six
2: yeah that's uh <laughs> he, he's uh, at some point we might, he might think he's a basketball player but uh uh you know he, he's a big guy with a long reach and uh uh, again, um, he's got a special ability to put the puck in the net and uh, um, I would have killed for some of that height. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was uh, it was a very special summer for some Kings as they got to hear their names called at uh, the NHL draft. Uh, a couple that were uh, of, of no surprise and one that was just a, a, a put a big smile on my face. It was a big heartwarming story. Let's start though with uh, Nate Danielson. Having his name called was Steve Iserman. How special that must be for him. We got to get him on the pod and talk to him about that. But ninth overall to Detroit. That was pretty cool,
2: yeah, just even I can't imagine what he was going through, but uh you know sitting up in the stands uh they live it was uh it was an uh, incredible experience you know when it gets to you know seven seven beyond you are okay like, hey, what, what are we gonna hear Nate's name and then uh to go on the top ten while well, that's a that's a big deal and uh to go to a storied franchise like detroit uh I think it's a great spot for Nate, and I'm not surprised you know we 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 as we can fancy what uh what he's all about his makeup and um, you know, we're real lucky to have him around for another year. I think he's going to be a top player in the league. And, and uh, you know, he's just a great person, you know, hockey aside, his family's, uh, you know, they, they, they're just unbelievable people. So he's one of those guys where, uh, you know, good things happen to good people. And um, I think we're going to watch Nate a long time on TV after he leaves uh, the Brown of Wheat Kings.
1: And then the Westman connections between the Wheat Kings and the Philadelphia Flyers continue because Carson Bjarnason, of course, goes there in the second round. And we talked about the confidence required to be a goal scorer for a goaltender tender to get that confidence going in the second round. What's that going to do for him?
2: Well, I think it's going to be huge. And from, I haven't seen him live yet, but all, by all accounts, I know talking to Tyler Plante, he said he looks amazing. He's, uh, you know, balanced of, you know, the line of really working hard, but not overly doing it. And he's in great shape. And, uh, Plante said he looks unbelievable on the ice. So, you know, he, uh, you know was our number one goalie last year which is you know a little bit unusual for a 17 year old at this level and i thought he handled it very well uh now he's another year older and and much like nate too i think uh you know a lot of noise with the draft throughout the year and i got to see it just with all the interview requests by nhl teams and that's a lot on the 17 18 year old kid too so now that's kind of out of the way um you know both of those guys can kind of focus on hockey and uh i think we as brandon weekends will we'll, uh see dividends
0: so Brett Highland, who goes uh, undrafted through a couple of drafts, gets his name called by the Washington Capitals uh, after being injured at the end of the year. But
2: Brett did so much this season before he got injured, and uh, and, really, and really kind of sitting up in the in the seventh round uh, when he, hearing his name called. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's a more deserving player to get uh, drafted. He he works and he works and he works, and uh, nothing has come easy for him. And Um, you know, he was having an exceptional season for us last year and probably one of the main reasons we fell off at the end, uh, it's hard to replace a player like Brett Hyland. And unfortunately he had that injury required surgery and, um, you know, he, he went through a lot and, and it's great to see him recognized for all the hard work he puts in every day and, and uh, the value he can bring it to an organization. So um, we were real thrilled to see Brett get picked up in the draft by Washington as well. And, and uh, you know, he's a guy too that I think uh, has a chance with his work ethic and uh, his ability to play up and down the lineup.
0: Well, that was just like a, a, a big boost just for me to know that the injury couldn't be so bad it would scare off an NHL team.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like he got he got drafted and he couldn't even... No, yeah. I think he's, he's, you know, Brett's another one that uh, you never have to worry about uh him uh, missing workouts and stuff he's uh he's uh chomping at the bit to, to do whatever it's more probably keep him off the ice and not do too much and set yourself back so uh you know all three of these guys we're talking about from a coach's standpoint are zero maintenance uh um you know and, and uh we're lucky that they're leaders on our hockey club
1: and we knew that brett highland was at least somewhat on nhl radars because he'd been at camp with the la kings and that's going to be Quinn Manti now. He's been at camp with the Calgary Flames. What do you want him to take away from that experience? And further to that, what do you want him to do for the Wheat Kings this season?
2: Yeah, you know, he, Quinn was a guy that I was personally surprised we didn't hear his name called at the draft. I thought, uh, especially in the second half, I don't know what it was after Christmas, a light you know went off, and and uh, I thought he was exceptional in the second half, and uh, you know drew the assignment of uh, playing against the other team's top line every night and I thought he was excellent and you know, he finished in double digits plus minus and, um, logged a lot of minutes for us and kind of a modern day defenseman, you know, he's not a big bone crushing guy, but he just does everything so well. And his skating allows him to get, uh, you know, kill plays or get himself out of trouble. Um, big expectations for Quinn this year. Um, you know, we think he's going to be an anchor on the back end as an 18 year old. And, um, again, another, another kid that, uh, an exceptional young man that, uh, um, you know, you, you see good things for in the future.
1: Not a big guy, as you said, but I did see some bone crushing from him over the last couple of years. He, he's got an edge. I think there's going to be some NHL teams kicking themselves. They passed on this guy.
2: For sure. I, like I said, I, I was really surprised um, that he didn't hear his name called, but you know, things happen, and, and uh, I know he's motivated to to start the year and he's going back to Calgary camp. So to me, that was a real good sign right after development camp with Calgary. Um, you know, they invite him right back to main camp too. So uh, they obviously have some love for him and uh, it's nice to, again, see a kid like that get rewarded.
0: So at the time of the recording of this podcast, we are one week out from players reporting uh, heights, weights, and then training camp gets underway. So the rest of your hockey staff should be getting here next week. How well are you sleeping right now?
2: Yeah, there's a lot going on and uh, you're trying to, you know, do those final touches and then you can just focus on hockey, I think, for you know us in the in the management and coaching staff it's uh there's a lot of stuff from the end of the season till now and then the exciting part why we're all here is to kick off the hockey season right so it's right around the corner a lot of excitement a lot of enthusiasm for the upcoming season and you know some guys are going to start trickling here in the uh, into Brandon here in the next day or two so it'll be fun to to you know have them around i think they have some ice but they're going to skate so um you know it, it's close and you can kind of taste it you almost feel like it's uh your kid on christmas morning but uh it'll be here and uh, really looking forward to getting the season going well
0: <laughs> home opener 7 p.m friday september 22nd regina pats are going to be in town First time in a while, it wasn't a Winnipeg Ice as well. How nice is that not to face them ten times this year?
2: <laughs> well, uh, they were pretty good. <laughs> They're a pretty good hockey team, and and you know what? As good as they were, I you know I, I think we we played them hard. Uh, other than a couple games, and and it was frustrating from from our standpoint because I think we had them on the ropes in 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 more games than people probably recognize. Probably four four of the games we were we were up by a goal and inside ten minutes. We just couldn't close it out. So um you know that's part of the process there they were a veteran team that uh had a lot of confidence and you know they um felt confident coming back late in the game where we're you know a younger group trying to figure out how to play with the lead and stuff like that so these are learning experiences but uh um you know i i, I won't miss uh that particular roster on the with the ice they're uh you know pretty special and and uh at the same time uh you know with the Manitoba rivalry, it was hard to see him leave Winnipeg too.
1: The downside of their relocation, of course, is give it a year or two; they're going to start going through a bit of a rough patch. The shoe would have been on the other foot. How nice would it have been to go in there and win ten times?
2: Yeah, I think that's been talked about among uh, the the staff here and our group. But you know that, that it is what it is. It uh, what do you do? And and uh, that's out of something out of our control. But uh, it would have been nice to pay back maybe a few of those uh, defeats we took last year.
1: We've talked a bit about some of the uh, the known commodities, guys that are coming back, guys that the fans are familiar with. but before we let you go, I do want to talk about one, probably not for you so much, but for the fans' unknown commodity. and that's Dominic Peter. This is a guy that I think there's some excitement about around the office. maybe some expectations that he can step in and contribute right
2: away. Yeah, I think so. you know, he's uh, he suffered some injuries last year, and I, I think a year ago, uh, just even researching on the internet, there's a lot of buzz about him even being a, a first second round NHL pick and he ended up uh, having some injury trouble last year and he just kind of kind of fell off there as far as the uh, NHL ranks and um, you know I know he's coming over very motivated. I think he's uh, you know you talk about building a culture he's, he's been you know wearing letters on the national team and things like that. he was underage with the U-18 and then played again uh, for his second year. So there's a lot of things to like In saying that too, it's a, it's a big adjustment for a European player to come over and, and not only play in a different style of hockey, but also a new culture. You know, I lived it, um, as a player uh, on the other side, going over to Europe and it it is a a big transition and especially when you're 18 years old. So, you know, I think, uh, we don't want to, you know, put too much pressure on him, but we think he uh, can come in and really contribute to our hockey club throughout the season.
1: I don't want to put any additional pressure on the young man, but I do want to throw something at Wheat Kings fans really quickly for them to keep in mind. You mentioned that as an underager, he played at the U18 and the Holinka Gretzky. And a couple of his teammates in those events, guys a year older than him, are in the Western League now. Frantisek like Formanic and Red Deer, and Andre Becker and Prince George, both of whom were pretty regular roster players last season, regular offensive contributors. Despite being a year younger than them, he outscored both of them in those
2: events. He's got some touch. Yeah, no question. He's uh, kind of a, a rangy guy. He's about 6'2", 175, 180, I think. So um, I think he's just an all-around uh, 200-foot player, and, and uh, it'll be fun to see him arrive in Brandon. He actually lands tomorrow, so it'll be good to have him in town and get acclimated and you know get used to the time change and things like that, and then hit the ground uh, ground running next week.
0: Well, here we go. We are one week from basically training camp beginning and it all starting up and now you have a full year under your belt. So you must feel a whole lot more excited this year than than than, than nervous, I would imagine.
2: Absolutely. Really looking forward to it. Awesome.
0: Thanks, Marty. We're going to touch base with you again uh, probably just after preseason before home opener, if that's cool. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right. We're going to get Marty back on the podcast. Uh, Awesome. cool. me and Rob are going to be doing a bit of a wrap-up here before we get out of here. But uh, before we do that, just a reminder that not only do we have our uh, home opener happening, but... At the home opener, the big grand prize draw of the Progressive Fifty Fifty. This current pot, as of the beginning of uh, this podcast, it was at fifteen thousand seven hundred and ten dollars. So, if you are uh, watching the uh, this pod on YouTube, there's a QR code on the screen right now. You can scan that to purchase. If you're listening, go to Weekings.com. You'll see it right there. There's a big Progressive Fifty Fifty button as well. But uh, get get in on that. The last time we did the Progressive Fifty Fifty, I was the one that went up to I think Rob the the winner took home. It was like a hundred and seventeen grand, one hundred and twenty something. It was it was ridiculous. It was absolutely crazy. It was awesome. We would love to see that happen again. Let's get a nice big winner at uh, the night of the home opener. If you are looking to get to the home opener and uh, you're not quite too sure about how the best way to do that is yet, well, you can uh, you can go and you can take advantage of our flex packs. The flex packs are back for this season. Thirty four exchangeable tickets. You can get this in either a digital form. or or like a a paper hard ticket form. So if you like the old flex packs of handing it out to your to your clients to to the people you work with to to friends you can do that or you can get the digital one which literally you log in you pick the game you want and you send the seats super simple but uh, making it easier and easier for you to come to a weekend game and especially with those new 17 game plans the half season and the split season so hopefully we're going to see everybody out here as we uh, as we get closer to it we've also got a couple of uh, preseason games coming up rob that uh, we're going to all kind of get you know get our feet wet we use that in for testing, but that's going to be nice to get everything on and then it really feels real.
1: I know some people kind of roll their eyes at the length of the preseason. Like you hear the occasional grumble about, ah, there's this many games and it's just an exhibition game. And yeah, I love the preseason. I love getting to see those young players get their first taste of Western Hockey League action, especially when you get like, there's four 2008-born players who are signed. Those guys aren't going to be able to play full time this season because of the league's rules, but they're going to get to get into some exhibition games. They're going to get their first crack at mm-hmm. WHL opponents. It was funny last season, I know with uh, with the Raiders, it was you know a 2007-born goaltender going up against Connor Bedard in one of the games against Regina, and that's the kind of matchup that that young man will probably remember for the rest of his life and we'll see a few of those in the free season as well. It's also an opportunity for fans to get a look at that exciting crop of prospects, the rookies we talked about, the Baumulers, the Klippensteins, the et etc. The guys who are coming in and who are both this year and beyond, going to be huge contributors for the Wheat Kings.
0: Absolutely. Uh, before we get out of here, too, I thought that it'd just be fun for us to go through for for those that uh, that 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 you know haven't heard the term. Most have. There was the Bedard factor last year, which is, of course, when every arena he went to, it, it sold out. People wanted to see him. I'm really hopeful that this year there is some carryover of that factor just throughout all the NHL prospects. Though this was another fantastic NHL draft for the WHL. The Dub once again led the way the most uh, the most draft picks in, in into the NHL. And uh, I made this list here is very interesting about how many uh, players from each team were drafted. Your Weekings were only behind the champion Seattle Thunderbirds on this list. The T Birds had six players who were drafted. The Weekings had three. Your next set after that, you had Vancouver, Saskatoon, Kelowna, PG, Portland, Everett, Vic, and Kamloops all had two players selected. Winnipeg, Moose Jaw, Red Deer, Tri City, PA, Edmonton, Lethbridge, and Regina all had one, and only four teams did not have a pick last year, and that would be uh, Spokane, Calgary, Med Hat, and Swift Current. But uh, a very impressive list with a lot of players who were selected, and uh, a lot of reason not just you know for you to be excited to come watch the Week Kings play, but literally like you know, almost almost every single other opponent coming in is going to have a draft pick from this past year, if not from the years previous.
1: And the teams you just listed off there who didn't have a guy picked. Uh, that streak is ending at one for all of them. I am sure of that much. I mean, let's start right off the top. Okay, and Berkeley Cadden, like that's going to be a top five pick this year. Can we talk about Med Hat
0: and Gavin McKenna?
1: Yeah, a couple years from now, probably the first overall. He's pick. He's probably
0: the first overall pick in a couple years in the NHL draft. Uh, I gave him Caden Lindstrom some some love there too. I thought he was great at
1: the link of Gretzky, and it never hurts when you're six foot five, two hundred pounds, and just a little mean.
0: There you go, Swift in Calgary as well. I this this it was. Uh, crazy to think about but uh, again if you were on the fence about you know coming to weekend games coming to dub games about what opponents there are talent throughout every single team in this league and it's going to be a very very fun season and uh, Rob I am very excited for this now
1: I'm pumped for this too I mean this is going to
0: be great the the pod is back we are a week away from the players Uh, and for those who are watching How awesome is this? Welcome to the Week King Studio. So this studio, you've seen it, you know, we've used it in other videos over the last couple of years. Uh, The idea initially was to use it more for stuff like this, a multi-camera setup in the studio. This is only week one. It's going to get better. The camera angles will get better. (laughs) All the lighting, we're going to figure out some, you know, some cool little stuff. Uh, But uh, as for now, uh, I think we haven't had any negative things coming across saying, hi, hi. Yeah. Oh, hey, hi. On the comments saying that, uh, you know, nothing is working. So uh, hopefully everything worked well here for this week number one test. Um, as we get going forward, uh, you know, this is going to be kind of like a free-form podcast. So some will be 45 minutes. Some might be a little over an hour. There's there, there's no time restrictions here. We can talk for as long as we want, Rob. But, as long as we got good things um, to talk about, and we will have those. That's exactly it. So uh, we're going to try and uh, get back to doing this uh, every single week as we used to. Coming up uh, next week, we know that we're going to have an interview with a car who is in town right now Uh, there's actually a few players in town i love this so barney's obviously in town because he's helping with the goalie school he's going to be here anyway for 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 us but the other players who former weak kings who are back in town to either just train they just they still like to come here and use the guys to train which says a lot about the you know world-class facilities and uh, people that we have working under the umbrella uh but uh, guys who come back and also just like work some of our schools. So Yuri Patera, he's in town working our goalie camp right now. Uh, Ridley Gregg is in town and he's not helping out any school. He's just here working out, just getting ready for the season. So there's those guys kind of around. So as we see him, we're going to do our best to try and twist some rubber arms and get him on. But for sure, we know uh, Barney's going to be on the podcast next week. That should be very cool to talk to.
1: Oh, absolutely! It's going to be great to pick his brain a little bit about you know becoming the team's starting goaltender at a relatively young age, as Marty alluded to joining the Philadelphia Flyers. He's going to get to learn from a guy like Carter Hart, somebody I know he spoke to the Western Hockey League about today. And he's got an exciting path ahead of him. One thing I keep coming back to with him, a late goaltender. And I don't mean that in terms of his birth year. I mean, he wasn't a goaltender when he was a kid. It it took him to be 13, 14 years old before he switched away from D to goaltender. So his development curve at this point is vertical.
0: There are some amazing stories about that that I love every now and then. Uh, When we get to go in the community, we talked uh, earlier about, you know, there's... If I had to pick a handful of players over my now 10 seasons with the team who I knew that I could just go in the community with, it was going to be awesome every time, Carson Bjarnason is definitely one of them. Uh, There's just something about him. He's a a fantastic kid. Uh, But, uh, you know, when, when you look at the development of the goalies coming in at that age... He had no bad habits. He was just, you know, wanting to learn the position and uh, and he did it., uh, but we always like to answer the uh, the ask the question when we go in, you know, you know we'll ask the kids when did they like to play hockey or do they play hockey? When did they start playing hockey? And a lot of them are, you know eight, nine, ten years old, and their friends are already playing for four or five years. They think it's too late. It's like, no, no, no. Like, listen, here's, here's a perfect example. Here's Carson. He didn't start playing goalie until he was older than you. A few years ago, we had a local product, Duncan Campbell. Uh, he was on that championship uh, team, uh, Brandon Kidd. Uh, very, very smart. Uh, he actually went to Queen's University. I believe he's just graduating, if not this year, uh, right around now. Uh, but uh, took full advantage of that uh, education and the scholarship foundation, uh, which is fantastic. But Duncan didn't start playing organized hockey until he was 12, 13 years old. So guys like that who, you know, get the late start, and can still show that with the right work ethic, with the right determination, you can still make it. And even like Barney, unsigned, right? Came into camp, worked his tail off. All of a sudden, who is this Bjarneson kid from Carberry? And the next thing you know, he's the backup of the Week Kings, and and now look. So we're going to have you on the podcast next week. Have you talked to him much yet, Rob? A little bit, yeah. I
1: got to meet him. Actually, he would have been the first player I met because he was in town uh, helping out a little bit at the goalie school. Uh, Tremendous speaker. like As a radio guy... As the play-by-play guy, I love these guys. So you can ask them a question and they'll just go. Like, he's a naturally charismatic kid. And I don't know if that has anything to do with him being a goaltender. I've actually known a lot of goalies who are really good speakers for whatever reason. I'm sure it requires a a ton of mental sharpness to play goal. So that doesn't hurt. But that stereotype of the goaltender being weird, okay, they're weird. Yeah, (laughs) they are. You have to be. You're throwing yourself in front of a puck moving at 90 miles an hour. You have to be a A
0: little little bit. Yeah. But they also tend to be pretty well spoken. They sure do. They sure do, especially especially when it comes to him. So uh, that's going to do it for the podcast, I believe, this week. As uh, oh, Dell walks by, Dell Pedrick. We got to get him on the podcast one week here. All these guys. Now that we're back up and running, I can't believe it's been two years, two months, and twenty eight days. But who's since, counting? Uh, yeah, but but who's counting? very glad to be back thank you all for uh, for tuning on in here to episode 58 of the weekly podcast and uh, I guess uh, we're gonna see you next week what's gonna be our our, our extra here Rob is it gonna be the same song is that what I should do that's
1: the way the news goes now we'll do the we'll do the song
0: spare you my impressions alright we're gonna do the song if the song does play there it goes let's get some lyrics for this song going forward as well a theme song I've always wanted a theme song (laughs) All right, talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Weekly Harvest.